You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lelada G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie May May and Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie May May and Lakeisha's uh, mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. Trump incites mob was the headline in today's New York Times. The Washington Post, meanwhile, comes in with Trump mob storms capital. Front pages, democracy under attack. Another with that picture emblazoned across its front page of a rioter trying to break into the House of Representatives. This is the literal example of white supremacy. What does white supremacy mean? It means that white people believe that they have dominion over everybody and dominion over everything, that they are in in fact, supreme. So we saw a group of white people, of white supremacists here, uh, thinking that they own a country that they colonized, and therefore, therefore they can do whatever they want. White Americans are never afraid of the cops, even when they're committing insurrection, even when they're engaged in attempting to occupy our capital to steal the votes of people who look like me. Because in their minds, they own this country, they own that capital, they own the cops, the cops work for them, and people like me have no damn right to try to elect a president. Because we don't get to pick the president, they get to pick the president, they own the president, they own the White House, they own this country. And so when you think you own it, you own the place, you ain't afraid of the police because the police are you and the police reflect back to them. We're with you, you're good. We're not gonna hurt you because you're not them. Guarantee you if that was a Black Lives Matter protest in DC, there would already be people shackled, arrested or dead. So allow me, if you would, to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for Defending Black Girlhood podcast to ask America, what in the hell is going on? It's Thursday, January 7th of 2021, and I swear I'm in 1912, for God's sake. And we're going to go on with the regular programming for Defending Black Girlhood. And I just said, I need to speak to this. I need to speak to what's going on in America because it is not separate from Defending Black Girlhood. And the question that I offer is, can we defend Black Girlhood in this America? And can I just say, 
clearly we now know who America's favorite child is and it's not me. It's not those who look like me. Whether we are criminals or law-abiding citizens, whether we are peacefully protesting or breaking a window, whether we are teachers, doctors, lawyers, it doesn't matter, good, bad, or otherwise. Black folks are not America's favorite child. And I just wanted to just explore some of these issues that I've seen on social media. Like, I didn't even know what was going on. My cousin wrote me and said, if this were black people, they'd be dead. And I was like, okay, what is he talking about? And then I start watching the images and the videos of what was going on in our nation's capital. And I just could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. And so, you know, I, I want to just share just some of the things I've seen on social media and just respond to them a bit. And one of the things I think I want to start off with is this quote that I've seen on a number of social media posts. We're not asking you to shoot them like you shoot us. We're asking you to not shoot us like you don't shoot them. And, you know, if there was ever a conversation about white privilege and whether or not it exists. Can we just say this is the poster child for white privilege? Like seeing these white people scaling the walls of the Capitol, knocking down police officers, breaking barricades, breaking out windows of our nation's Capitol, breaking out windows, crawling in the windows, taking over the Senate floor, breaking into Nancy Pelosi's office with their feet up on the desk, taking selfies with police officers. And can I just say, not just with police officers in the background, like police officers posing with them. We didn't see masses of these white people wrestled to the ground and handcuffed. We didn't see guns and rifles pulled out on these white people who were making a mockery of our democracy and desecrating our capital. It was wilding out. Oh my God, this unbelievable, this unbelievable. There was a quote that I saw by Solange Knowles, but when a black woman stands up for herself, suddenly she has an attitude problem. And so all of what happened by many is being categorized as demonstration, not terrorism. The right to be white is really what it was. But as I was saying, they desecrated the Capitol. It looked like bulls ran through the hall when you see a lot of the damage that they did. But taking a knee on a football field is disrespectful to America. They were dragging the American flag upside down. They replaced the American flag with the Trump flag. But peaceful protest by black people saying that black lives matter is disrespectful to the American way. Honey, please. Still so much silence from the white church denouncing this type of 
behavior. Can you imagine if you were a black person working in the Capitol, how you would have felt the fear, the terror you would have felt. There was this one picture where they show them coming into, I think the Senate and there's an older black man and he looks terrified. He looks like he just saw a whole bunch of white people walk into the room with white hoods on with a burning cross. That was the absolute look on his face. So I shared this video on Facebook today and it was a video by Joy Reid and she just was so on point with her commentary about what happened and white people not fearing the police because they feel like the police are there for them, with them. And I posted it and a friend of mine shared it on her page. And the interesting thing was that when she shared it on her page, one of her friends, a white woman said, quote, I told my kids several times yesterday that this insurgence would have been very different if it was all people of color or women even. It's really gross to me how far down the road our country really is. So I wrote a comment back to this woman and said, you mean it would have been different if it were white women? Like, do you really believe that? Like, where did she need to insert white women tears in this conversation? Where does she need to introduce that? We can't even stay on what all this stuff is about without trying to equalize the pain of privileged white women with oppressed black people. Right. So in thinking about this, I'm thinking, okay, so where does this fall in my conversations, in my quest about defending black girlhood? And then I came across this image of a black man who was protesting. And I don't know the city or where this was from. And he has what looks like his daughter on his shoulder. And there are several cops in front of him. One who has, looks like a rifle of some sort. Doesn't even like a regular rifle. It looked like the type of rifle you bring out when you want to kill black people kind of rifle. And he's pointing it at this man with this child, again, who looks like a girl, on his shoulder. And then the juxtaposition of them crazy white people who were tearing up our nation's capital yesterday, who were presumably let into places where you would have had to have a badge, some type of electronic device to let you in. Somebody opened that damn door, either from the inside or from the outside. You see police officers running away from the crowd. And then you see this picture of this child with the gun pointed at them and their father. And I thought that white people get to be vulnerable. White people get to be protected. White people get to be safe in all kinds of places that black people don't get to be safe. White people get to be safe in all kinds of places that black girls don't get to be safe, that black girls don't get to be protected. And even this, this child with her father, I just don't know how violent a person is when they're holding a child up on their shoulder, their hands are on their feet. So they're holding the child. Like how dangerous was this person that 
a rifle needed to be pointed in their face and in the face of their child who looks all of three years old. But you have grown as white people breaking into the nation's capital and these people weren't even arrested in droves. They said there were like 30,000, I forget the numbers, you know, I'm bad with numbers, but there were thousands of these people who, who breached the barrier, the intentionally breachable barrier. You know, part of this is what they did, but part of it is what they did, like the optics of what they did, the optics of letting you know you're not safe in your own country, that they can come and take over the Capitol. I swear to God, this looked like some craziness that we've seen in places that we would denounce. There was a quote that I saw that said, if America saw what America was doing to Americans, America would invade America to save Americans from America. Okay. That's just deep. Let me say it again. If America saw what America was doing to Americans yesterday, America would invade America to save Americans from America. Like how many times have we seen images like we saw yesterday on our nation's capital in other countries and we were just clutching our pearls and we were readying our military to go over and save people from the siege of democracy. How many times have we seen that? But yet in our own nation's capital, I just, oh my God, oh my God. It's just so stressful to be reminded of how little importance your own life has, your own experience has that again, we're not wanting them to have shot those people, but why can't we as black people protest peacefully? And a lot of the times the protesters are, are black women and black girls. Imagine yesterday, if that were thousands and thousands of black women and black girls who would have been doing the same exact thing. What do you think the body count would have been? What do you think the massacre would have looked like? What do you think even the preparation would have looked like if they knew thousands of black women and girls were coming to demonstrate for their rights, for their protection? Maybe they were coming to demonstrate about the 60 some thousand missing black women and girls that we know of that are missing in our country. What if they were coming to demonstrate about that? What if they were coming to demonstrate about the black girls who are being pushed out of their schools, suspended, expelled, uneducated? What about that? What if black women and girls were coming to demonstrate about the unequal treatment that we receive in the medical realm? What about that? And they were just unarmed. They were just having signs and chanting. What about that? Let alone that they were armed and climbing the walls of the Capitol and breaking the windows of the Capitol. Do you think it would have been the same? Do you think that our leaders would have talked about them being lovely people and that he loved them? Do you think that would have happened? One of the quotes I saw on social media said, Black people at home watching white people beat up the blue lives that they say mattered, right? 
I mean, they were attacking the cops, pushing them back, knocking them down, fighting them, pushing through, throwing things. No tear gas. Eventually, eventually they did some stuff. But by and large, no mass response. And, you know, I went down to Ferguson twice to protest the unarmed killing of Michael Brown. I went down there twice once with my daughter and then I went down there once with my son and daughter because I wanted them to to be a part of it I wanted them to see it I wanted to be a part of it I wanted to stand in solidarity and you know the first time I went down there it was that direct next weekend after Mike Brown was shot and killed and what I saw versus when I got there versus what I saw portrayed on the media was night and day, night and day. They were showing them as being violent and they're burning down the, the gas station and they're doing this and that and the police are out and they have curfews and all these things. And I get down there and one of the first things that I see as we walk up was people who were doing praise dance, praise dance. Okay, that's what I saw, praise dancers. Then I saw people who were giving out bottles of water. Just, are you okay? Check it in on you, here's some water because it was hot. Then I saw black people who were signing up black people to vote. And I saw preachers and there was a choir that was singing and people were congregating and there was artists down there painting and people were fellowshipping. This is the things that I saw. And not one time did I feel unsafe until I was talking to a young black man down there on this, the very street that Michael Brown was killed on just feet away from where he was shot. And he was talking to me and all of a sudden he stops and he excuses himself and runs. And I turn around, and again, these mostly was church folks down there, because you know people down in there in the Bible Belt, you know they sanctified. These were choirs and preachers and dancers and all this kind of stuff. Peaceful. Not one time did I feel unsafe until a slow roll of about 12 police cars come down the street and people began to disperse out of fear that something was going to happen. And then that's when I got afraid because I didn't know what the police would do. That's when I became afraid. I went back down with my son and daughter a couple weeks later and the place where people were barbecuing and doing art and praise dance and signing up folks to vote was now encaged by a fence. We can't have you black people down here congregating, eating barbecue, signing up folks to vote, praise dancing. We can't have y'all doing that. So they had that blocked off. And I came in the city and as I came into the city, the second time I passed the command post and that one black guy, I don't know his name, but he was like the sheriff 
or something down there. They love to put black people in leadership over doing shit to black people. And so he was down there and I saw him because we saw him a lot on TV. I saw him and they had taken over the small part of a mini mall. And when I say taken over, what I mean is there were, I think I saw three or four different cities or county law enforcement cars, sheriffs, cities of down there. I saw one or two fire trucks. There was a tank. There was, it looked like the command post of a war zone. And again, I told you what the people were doing when we were down there. So this is as I'm coming into the city. So I get into the city, get into Ferguson, and I'm thinking, has something changed? Is it different from how it was when I was here before? And I get there, and again, people are still peacefully protesting. And probably the most dangerous thing that people were doing were signing up black people to vote. That's probably the most dangerous thing that people were doing. And I thought, why are they treating these peaceful protesters like they're at war with them? America continues to want to treat black people in particular. I'm talking about anti-black. I'm talking about hate black. Unless we're dancing for you or on the field entertaining you through throwing some football or dribbling a basketball. You love us then when we're entertaining you and singing. America loves blackness then. But outside of that, black intellect, black education, black power, black political power, that is not love so much. And we can see that. And one of the things Joy Reid was saying is, who are you to pick who's going to be president? And so much has been said about black women in particular, not the black vote, the black woman vote, give black women their damn props. The black women always at the front line, their vote. And that the part of this pushback is who do these black women think they are to have this much political power, to have this much influence on electing the next president of the United States. And I get there and I'm just thinking, oh my God, oh my God. And again, just looking at most of the protesters that I saw in Ferguson and throughout history are black women, black children, and I just have to ask the question again, like, can we defend black girlhood in this America? And then white people want to say, this is not America. This is not the America I love. This is not the America I know. Yeah, the hell it is. Yeah, it is. This is America. This is who America has always been. And until we can embrace that, we can't change it. If we'd rather believe America is what it isn't, then we'll never be able to honestly deal with it. Another post I saw, terrorists break into the Capitol and police support their actions because they uphold the same white supremacy and authoritarianism that put them in that uniform. Meanwhile, 
when brown or black bodies simply exist, they are seen as a threat. Me being black is a threat. It's a threat to whiteness. I'm a constant reminder of why I'm here. My black self is only in America because my black ancestors were brought here, captured and brought here from Africa. That's my blackness. That's why I'm here. And as long as I'm here, I'm a constant reminder to America of its sins. A constant reminder. I'm not an immigrant. I didn't come here from Haiti looking for a better life. I didn't come here from Cuba looking for a better life. I didn't come here from the Dominican Republic looking for a better life. I didn't come here from Jamaica looking for a better life. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's not how my black self got here. And my black self is a constant reminder, a constant reminder to America of its sins that it doesn't want to partake in, that it doesn't want to own up to. You know, somebody was saying how, you know, we haven't had to vote long, 55 years, 55 years we've had the right to vote as a whole as a black people, we've had the right to vote. Um, that's messed up, right? But in this time, what we've done with that, what we've accomplished, and particularly, again, what black women have done, and shout out to, you know, Ms. Abrams, you know, for what she's done. And what she's done has been remarkable, but she hasn't done it alone. All right, a whole bunch of black women did what they did, okay? And I hope black girls are looking. I hope black girls are looking and feeling empowered, feeling the possibility of what can be done. But can we have a situation where we don't always have to just fight for ourselves? Can we have a situation where we have somebody fighting for us too, fighting for our rights as black women, fighting for our, our rights, fighting for defending black girls? educating black girls, loving black girls, protecting black girls. Can we have that? We know how to fight because we've had to fight. We've had to fight all our lives. We've had to fight our total existence in America. There's not been a time where black women and black girls were not in danger in America. Not even in this very moment. Not even in this very moment are we safe. Somebody put up on their social media, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. The quote from Donald Trump, May 29th, 2020, in a response to Black Lives protesters. And I'm just going to underscore this because it needs to be said and said again, is that a lot of them people was out there breaking them windows, was white people out there, just like they were in Ferguson, setting fires, breaking windows, trying to make it seem like the black people who were protesting peacefully down there were doing this. Same is still going on. But then in contrast, yesterday, he said, go home after all the desecration of our capital. Go home. We love you. (laughs) You're very special. I know how you feel. Do you know how I feel right now? Do you know how I feel right now? I 
am not sure where we go from here, but I am sure of this is white people's work. I do know that. I do know that I need to see white people rise up, speak up, speak out, do something. This is not black people's work. It's black people's consequence if the work is not done. But what we saw yesterday, that's not black people's work. They need to respond to that. That is white people's work. Where, where's my woke white people who was posting pictures of their cats and stuff yesterday? Where are my woke white people whose best friend is black? Where's my woke white people who adopted black kids but have white silence? Where y'all at? Where are you at? As we continue to see America be who she's always been. One post was all black with white letters that said, if they were black, dot, dot, dot. The simplicity of that was so powerful. The simplicity of that statement and even just seeing it. And then somebody posted an image of how the Capitol security was set up when there were Black Lives Matter protesters on the street. It looked like they're at war. Full fatigue, face masks, rifles, eye gear, headgear. They look like they're in a battle when black people were peacefully protesting. No windows were being broken. They weren't coming in on the Senate floor. They weren't in Nancy Pelosi's office. Peaceful protests. So what is it? So it's not protesting. Can we be clear about that? It's not protesting, is it? It's who's protesting and it's what you're protesting about. And America keeps wanting to do what it does to black people and have us say thank you. And have us thank you. Don't complain. Who are We have no right to complain. Don't complain about it. That's what it is. One of my favorite things I saw on social media was this image of police officers arresting mama bear, papa bear, and baby bear. And you see Goldilocks looking like all those Karens who have called the police on black people who were just being their best selves, trying to live their best lives. And it says, if you still don't understand how racism works, remember she broke into their house. (laughs) I laugh, but really I'm crying on inside. This is just painful and it's discouraging. And where do we go from here? As a people, as a nation, how do we move forward? How do we move forward? There was a quote, somebody said, Any black person can tell you white folks will go berserk when they fear white supremacy is being challenged. White power, white 
wants and needs and desires being fulfilled. And let me pause here for a second. Like, okay, so your candidate didn't win. That happens every time that somebody's candidate doesn't win. And we don't have this. My God. Their acts have and will be mundane and extravagant. They will lynch scores of black people. They will burn down black towns. They will make you guess beans in a jar in order to vote. They will beat and spit on black school children. They will give you new garden decor in the form of a burning cross. They will gerrymander. They will shoot up a black church. They will move the goalpost during the game. And even when you play by their rules, they will throw the rock and hide their hand, saying your pain is imaginary. And yes, they will riot and storm the U.S. Capitol and have little to no consequences. Stokely Carmichael said, and this was put up somebody's social media, if a white man wants to lynch me, that's his problem. If he's got the power to lynch me, that's my problem. Racism is not a question of attitude. It's a question of power, right? Because you can hate me. You can want to do anything. But when you have the power to determine where I go to school, if I go to school, if I can read, if you have the power to determine whether or not I'm going to get the same kind of medical care that you get, if you have the power to determine whether or not I can buy a house in your neighborhood and build generational wealth for my family, if you can determine whether or not I get hired for that job, then, then you have the power to control what I'm doing and control my welfare and control what's best for me and my family, then you have the power. And to that end, I saw someone put up on Facebook about this situation and somebody said, racism is an illness, get treatment. Hell, it, hell no. And I had a deep conversation about whether or not racism was a mental illness when I was on my trip to Africa. And I'm going to tell you the danger of calling racism a mental illness. We don't call all the other isms mental illness. We don't, right? Because we want people to take responsibility for their actions, for their hate, for the power they're trying to exact upon somebody else. We want them to take responsibility for that. So now why the hell is racism a mental illness? No, it's not. It's a choice. It's a decision. That's what it is. It's a practice. It's what it is. It's not a mental illness. And the, the danger of calling racism a mental illness, from my perspective, is that when people can bleed out to say what they did was based on something outside of their control, their mental unwellness, they don't have to take responsibility for it. So you are in a situation where you've had racism exacted upon you and you don't get hired for that job or you don't get to buy a house in that neighborhood and then you want to go and get some kind of justification you sue them maybe they complete mental illness and then they're not responsible for the actions no racism is a decision is a decision and to be not racist is a decision 
So you can't just decide I'm not going to be bipolar. You can't just decide, you know what? I think I've carried schizophrenia as long as I've wanted to carry it. I'm just not going to be that anymore. You can't just decide if you have not just feeling down, but you have been, you know, diagnosed with major depression. You can't just wake up and say, ah, you know what? I'm not going to be depressed today, but you can begin to work on your racism. Come on now. It's not a mental illness. Take responsibility for the hate. Take responsibility for the hate and do something about it. Change your life, change your heart so that I don't have to continue to ask the question, is this my America? Is this America for me? Is this my home? Am I safe here? Am I okay here? I think I'm in there. Just wanted to share some thoughts about this. Love to know your thoughts. And to me, this underscores the necessity to continue to do the work that I'm doing, to continue to work on defending black girlhood in such a climate as this, to continue to create black art that elevates the images of black girls, that helps to heal black women. To continue to do this work is necessary. It's necessary because... We need some type of healing in the process as we journey. We need some salve. You know, I'm not trying to heal right now because I need to feel the pain of what's going on right now. But I need to have the hope of healing. And so that's what we're trying to do out here in these streets. We're trying to heal. We're trying to heal and we're trying to defend black girls and we're trying to live our best lives and be safe in our own country so thank you for tuning in and we'll resume our regular programming next week